Dieu te parlera dans beaucoup de langues. Si ton cœur est assez courageux pour s'ouvrir à lui, ça m'effraie. Les voix de Dieu sont souvent terrifiantes. qu'il accomplit sa volonté à travers moi. Welcome to the Strange Harbors podcast, a weekly discussion of film, television, and pop culture. My name is Jeff Zhang, and tonight I'm joined by... Samir Ture. And Derek Wong. So tonight we're discussing Paul Verhoeven's first film in over five years, Benedetta, starring Virginia Fura, Daphne Patakia, and Charlotte Rampling. Verhoeven's back, baby! I'm uh, super pumped to talk about this movie. Probably the second wildest movie of the year behind Titan. I don't know if you guys would agree. Yeah, I think so. I'm trying to think. I can't think of anything else that comes to mind quite yet. (laughs) But yes, I would probably put Titan above that. Do you guys want to talk a little bit about Paul Verhoeven? Yeah. A nutty director that I love, by the way. I fucking love Paul Verhoeven. I know I'm always making like hyperbolic statements about directors never making a, a bad movie, but I feel like this is another case. <laughs> <laughs> probably not. I mean, he's probably made duds, but... We've already discussed it. Hollow Man? Yeah. All right. I don't think Hollow Man has aged particularly well, but... I wouldn't say it's bad. It's like a guilty pleasure type sci-fi movie. I definitely enjoy Hollow Man. I mean, yes, I I agree with you that looking back at some of the things that take place in that movie, it's not the most well-aged, but I generally like Hollow Man a lot. Yeah, I'm not quite as well-versed with Verhoeven as I am with Ridley Scott. I've seen a lot of his stuff, not some of his older stuff. I don't think I've ever seen Spetters or The Fourth Man, but... All of his like late 80s on, I've seen like everything. like Robocop, Total Recall, Basic Instinct, Showgirls, Starship Troopers. That's an incredible run, by the way. Yeah, right? That's a naughty mm-hmm. run. That's a crazy run. Uh, I haven't seen it. It got panned, but I've heard Flesh and Blood as a banger, too. So even maybe going from that one all the way through, Flesh and Blood, Robocop, Total Recall, Basic Instinct, Showgirls, Starship Troopers. That takes you from 85 to 97. That's a little over a yeah. decade. I don't know, that's like six bangers in a row. And like, Hollow Man's decent. And then after that, it's three more bangers in a row. Black Book, L, and Benedetta. Firing on all cylinders for 35 years, 40 years. Yeah. He's Dutch, right? I think he's Dutch. Yes, very much so. Very often misunderstood director. I think he's a master of satire. And I think people tend to misunderstand that, especially like his earlier us-based work i i think people at first didn't really get robocop first of all robocop's a great movie period so like even if you don't get it it's a fucking banger of a sci-fi movie right but then like you get into things like starship troopers which people actually hated the time it came out and a lot of the fascist jingoism satire flew over people's heads right mm-hmm. and i think uh That's very interesting. And now Showgirls is seeing another kind of reappraisal 
where uh, it won a shit ton of Golden Raspberry Awards. It pretty much ruined Elizabeth Berkeley's career. Oh, shit. But now it's like a, a cult classic. People love that movie. People think it's like another misunderstood gem. So, yeah, very misunderstood director. How many of uh, Verhoeven's movies have you guys seen? And which ones do you like? Which ones do you not like? So I've seen RoboCop, Total Recall, uh huh, Troopers, Hollow Man, and now I guess Benedetta. Okay. I've liked them all. I've never actually seen Basic Instinct. I've never seen Showgirls. Oh, you've never seen Basic Instinct? No. Damn. No, that's definitely one that I, I've kind of missed. But yeah, I generally love all of his movies so far up into this movie. I like the satire. I like that there's a, a humor to all of those movies, I feel like. Um, I think sometimes gets overlooked. I mean, I yes, think they're all kind of sure. remembered for being very serious, but I think there's like a, a very purposeful humor to them that I, I like. Um, I generally appreciate his just like batshit over the topness of for a lot of it, what he does in those movies. So, um, yeah. yeah, I'm definitely a fan of at least those movies. Yeah, he goes all in the sex and gore. Um, and uh, that's always a fun time. I actually didn't realize that RoboCop was as misunderstood as Starship Troopers. I don't think it is. I think it wears its satire a little bit more on its sleeve. You know, just like the privatization of like public services and like militarization of the police. Um, I think it's a little more overt than Starship Troopers. Although, now that you watch Starship Troopers, like, how can you like not see the the Nazi imagery of that movie. But I don't know, when I was like 12 years old, I was like, whatever. Fucking yeah, kill those bugs, you know? <laughs> I was going to say, I'll take a mold on that because I was a literal child when I saw it. So I wasn't really doing any, you know, I don't know. But as soon as we were analysis. old enough, we knew. But like a lot of the critics at the time, they didn't even know. They're like, this is just, this is trash, right? And like, they didn't get that at all. So I guess... We have a leg up on on them at least. I think that's pretty telling about like the awful state of <laughs> film criticism. I, to- I totally agree. If that's as true as I think it is, and I haven't like I don't know like dug out all the quotes and all the like contemporary reviews and stuff, but my impression is that what you're saying is correct, and that like it really wasn't appreciated that he was doing a satire at all. Which like it's fine if you get that he did, and you're like, oh, it's still bad. But if you don't even get what he's doing, then I feel like right. that, that you, you've completely missed the point, right? That's one thing if you're just like a random moviegoer, right? Like I was when I was 12. But if your like, job uh-huh. is to analyze these things and you don't get the basics, that's, that's sort of bad. I guess media literacy has always been dead, right? Oh, <laughs> Maybe that's what we should take away from that. That's the lesson? That. That's the takeaway? Yeah. Yeah, but love Starship Troopers. I'm not as Big a fan of Showgirls as I am of like Robocop or Starship Troopers. Yeah, I agree. I don't think it's a bad movie. No, I agree. It's not bad. It might be my least favorite of the ones I've seen. I, I've seen those ones I've mentioned except for Flesh and Blood. But I actually haven't seen L or Black Book. So those are those last two since Halloween. Yeah, those are both good too. Which, as you're saying, are both worth watching. But I'm, I'm back on the train with Benedetta. This was excellent. Yeah. What did you, what did you guys think of it? I fucking loved it. It was like, all right, first of all, the movie, the first 10 seconds of the movie, there's a dude lighting his farts on fire. So I'm like, all right, I'm in, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but I do think that this is probably a movie that wears its message on its sleeve the most. It's not very subtle about what it wants to skewer 
and like what it wants to talk about. I think the characters are a different story. I think Benedetta herself is a very complex character in a very overtly satirical movie. I mean, basically, this is just like a clapback against like, you know, the Catholic hypocrisy and like the shackles we place upon women's bodies and like basically like Puritanism, right? I found that all very effective. I mean, like the movie's kind of all over the place in terms of tone, but uh, Verhoeven always does that. So I was totally into it. I loved it. I thought the performances were great. I thought Charlotte Rampling was fantastic in this mm-hmm. as Mother Superior. She was great. Were you half expecting her to bring out a box and having Benedetta? <laughs> I know, right? It's <laughs> another uh, stern, motherly, uh, religious cult figure, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her other being in uh, in Dune. What, what did you guys think? You know, out of all the movies I've listed and then now including this one, this might actually be my least favorite of his movies. Really? Ooh. Do tell. Spicy take. I think you kind of hit it on the nail for me when, I mean, you said the tone was everywhere, but like, I think the movie and its message and what it's trying to do is kind of everywhere. For me, it was like, is this a movie about women empowerment? Is this a movie about taking down the church? Is this a movie about what you said, like the woman's body or sexuality? It seems to be all of those. And, you know, like any Paul Verhoeven movie, it it goes to this like extreme and we'll, we'll talk about like the fantasy she's has. And, and I think for me, it was a little just too much. I think if it was toned down a little bit, so maybe just like one or two things, the end was just, I think, overwhelmed with all the things that he was trying to say with this movie. That's fair. I think it's easy to say that it's overwhelming, but I do think like a lot of the things that he's talking about they do go hand in hand right Mm -hmm. Uh, like the sex and like the railing against like the catholic church um those things are all commingled and related yeah yeah it's not like they're all not like somehow related but it's a lot i do agree it's a lot Uh, fucking telenovela jesus (laughs) (laughs) what did you think of here yeah i sort of agree and disagree with what you're saying jack and that i also felt that the messaging in the movie was everywhere even though, like, when you break it down to each individual message, it's very clear what he thinks uh-huh. about each issue. Like, if you list it as a point, point, point. Lesbian sex, good. Sexual repression, bad. Hypocrisy, bad. <laughs> Love for uh-huh. your fellow man, good. Plague, bad. Or whatever. Like, right? Each <laughs> yeah. individual thing kind of makes sense. But as a whole, I did get a sense of, like, wait, what the fuck is he saying, right? Like, I felt the through line with... I don't know, Starship Troopers or RoboCop a lot more, or even Showgirls a lot more. Like, there is one thing that I'm doing. Whereas with this, it didn't feel like there was one thing. It felt like there were a lot of things. And maybe that's just me not getting the movie. Like, I think you could probably reduce it to one thing and I'd be like, oh. I don't disagree. I think you would have to stretch. It's just like, you can do RoboCop in two or three words. You could do Starship Troopers, Showgirls, same thing. But this was just a little bit too much. And I don't know if it's because it's almost too good a movie in that (laughs) even the figures of fun who are like the targets of the satire are also like three-dimensional people with like inner lives Mm -hmm. who we like know and like and we see our intelligent thinking people. I don't know. It just the oneness of the message didn't hit for me. But I liked all the pieces. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I liked all the pieces. I, I just, like, wanted to... And maybe I just need to mull it over more or just see it again. 
Yeah, because I think it's a very beautifully crafted movie. And like across the board, it's just great performances, right? Like mm-hmm. everybody that's in this movie, I think just gives great performances. And like Amir kind of hit the point correctly where there's just there is no one message. And I think I struggle with that sometimes when I think about this movie, because he's right. Like other for home movies that I really like, I can kind of boil it down to one thing, right? Mm -hmm. even though they are all very complex maybe not all as complex as this but like you know there are layers to a lot of his movies but then they all kind of just can be narrowed down a little bit and this one was a little bit harder for me like what is the message at the end of this movie i can definitely see that i mean there's a lot going on in this movie and i think that's kind of funny that you guys are talking about that because for the most part people pigeonhole this as oh it's the lesbian nun movie and there's a ton of sex and nudity in it. Mm-hmm. Um, you have the Virgin Mary dildo, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not as racy or like sex fueled as I thought it was going to be. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It takes you about an hour to get to the first sex scene. And this is a, what, a just over two hour movie? Yeah. And there's so many other things going on other than the the sexiness of this movie. There's like two and a half sex scenes. And then a bit of like gratuitous nudity strewn throughout. But it's, it's yeah. not like a wall-to-wall porno or something, right? It's like not mm-hmm. as – Yeah. Like it's not as sexy as like Robocop is violent. I wouldn't even say it's as sexy as like Basic Instinct, even mm-hmm. though it has like more nudity. What about Showgirls? Showgirls? Uh, all right. Showgirls has well, nudity. Well, it's not about nudity, but you're yeah. talking about sexiness though, right? It's like different yeah. things, right? So like – I don't know, a lot of the sexiness in Showgirl is tawdry and, and like, commercial and, like, off-putting by, like, by design? Uh, yeah, purposefully so. Right, whereas, like, this movie is, like, I don't know, it's very sexy when it's trying to be. And and a lot of the nudity in this is, like, horrifying, too, right? It's like yeah, the, the torturous ringer that the Catholic faith puts these women through. And Verhoeven is pretty much known for writing strong female characters i think this last leg of his career has almost like exclusively been female-led movies like other than all right i'll, I'll say like starship troopers and hollow man are like the exception but i mean starting from basic things from 1992 let's say oh okay because um, 87 and 90 were robocop and total recall which is peter weller and arnold right but basic instinct showgirls black book l uh, those are all female-led movies. Mm-hmm. And Benedetta herself, so Virginia Fira, who plays her, is, is fantastic. I think she's so good in this yes. role. She's a very complicated character, too. And, like, I feel like her buttoned-upness is very, like, not fitting for the role, but it plays out perfectly. At first, you're like, oh, this is kind of, like, an odd actress to, like have in this in this role but she's she kills it she kills it in this i mean she's the title character and of course uh-huh. like she's the most interesting character to me right this person that is kind of at times i believe she believes in the faith but then all the actions she does i think is contradictory with what i normally think of the faith right well it's all ambiguous right yeah. you don't know and she plays that very close to the chest and she's so Good at it. Mm-hmm. So do you want to go into it, what it is that's happening in this movie a little bit? Just like yeah, the, one, yeah, yeah. the one sentence summary, like not to not to go too deep. But 
as a little girl, she begins having, I don't know, what she interprets as religious experiences. She's sort of sold to a nunnery, or her parents have to pay, her rich parents have to pay in order to get her admission to a nunnery, or she becomes a nun. And then, as a young woman in like her early 20s, she starts having these uh, ecstatic visions, and these are interpreted as miracles, which kind of overthrows the power structure of her abbey. And uh, Yeah, and it all intensifies when Bartolomea comes in, right? Because she's this uh, this other young woman who's fleeing her abusive father, and she's taken in by the convent too. And then Benedetta starts having this like illicit affair with her. It starts off like it's like a connection, and then it becomes like this illicit affair. And then like her visions intensify when when she becomes uh, involved with Bartolomea, right? And then that's when she, like you said, upends the the power structure of the convent and like. She's doing like these power plays to take over from uh, Charlotte Rampling's character. What's what's her name? Felicita. Yes. But yeah, she's fantastic in this. Uh, the the movie is very fucking funny. This movie <laughs> is way funnier than I thought it was. And like, I saw it with a packed crowd for New York Film Festival, and like, people were laughing like beginning to end. I think. Really? Was, yeah, I think some of the dialogue is just fantastic. I think Charlotte Rampling is is awesome in this. Some of the lines that she says are are just really, really funny, where she's like, you know, no miracle ever occurs in bed, believe me, or whatever, you know. Yeah. I thought that was <laughs> yeah, fucking good, hilarious. Um, and then when, like, Bartolomea is, like, first entering the convent, uh, she doesn't want to take her in because, like, there's no money in it. And she's like, a convent is not a place of charity, which I thought was <laughs> hilarious, too. That's very good. I, I just think that, like, hypocrisy is is so, so funny where they, like, charge so much money. They rake in the cash for each, like, new novitiate at the convent. I, I think that's just so, so skewering. <laughs> so, like, I guess the center of the movie is, like, whether Benedetta's visions are true and whether she believes them, whether anyone's around believes them and whether like even if they don't believe them they have the incentive to do so because of other things right so i guess the immediate religious authorities in the town pescia have like an incentive to believe that these are true because if she's a saint or a mystic or whatever she is she'll bring a lot of acclaim to the town and the town will become important and like those local church officials can rise within the church if uh you know if if the, if the town becomes known to the pope they mention explicitly, like, Assisi as, like, a town that becomes, becomes so important and a site of pilgrimage after, you know, St. Francis of Assisi. So, like, they, they kind of want the same thing to happen to their town, so they're willing to overlook some suspicious aspects of her vision and her stigmata, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, she says that one day she's asleep and she has a vision of Jesus and she wakes up with stigmata, the, the, the bleeding wounds of the nails. Of Christ in, in, in her hands and in, in her wrists and in her ankles and, uh, you know, one in her side. And the abbess points out, like, a couple of problems with this. She says, okay, one, there's no, like, crown of thorns. There's no wound around your head. Um, two, this happened while you were sleeping. It's a, it, it, if this was real, it would have happened while you were praying. She's sort of skeptical at first. Um, and then, like, the gain to, I guess, the local church and the local church officials is so huge that she's sort of overruled. Mm-hmm. And everyone just kind of runs with these visions. And runs with the idea that Benedetta is a saint. And she manages to use that power to usurp Charlotte Rampling's character. And it's very interesting because, you know, I just did a little bit of a Wikipedia read. And, like, apparently, like, because of the limited social roles available to women in that time, like, 
pretending you were a mystic in order to gain political power was like a known thing. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Yeah. At the time. Yeah. That's a thing that other people have done. It's like, that's part of the reason people are so skeptical is like that was, that was something that happened. Um, I forget the name of the person who did it, but like apparently one of like, oh yeah, here we go. Well, just straight out of Wikipedia, guys, save you the reading. Um, (laughs) A nun from Lisbon also had stigmata. She became a super influential figure in Europe in the 1580s, consulting rulers and high church officials. But then she was discovered to be a fraud. <laughs> and so this is sort of similar to the Benedetta story. It's like, well, is she just using these supposed religious visions to, you know, gain a high position for herself, you know, in the church and be listened to and be important and all of these different things? Well, I mean, Benedetta's a real person too, right? Because this movie is based yes, on a book. Yes, absolutely. Based off of uh, a movie called Immodest Acts, right? Yeah, and a lot of this stuff in the movie, like, did happen to her. It's taken yeah, straight from yeah. the book, right? And presumably the Wikipedia is taken from the book, and the book is taken from whoever did the research on this real person, right? Yeah, so, so, like, so, the, so the author's name is Drew the C. Brown, and she wrote Immodest Acts, The Life of a Lesbian Nun in Renaissance Italy. <laughs> That's what the, the movie's uh, based upon. So, yeah, I mean, like, a lot of the central plot points of this movie, like, revolve around whether Benedetta is believable. And, the, and uh, one of the characters who's most suspicious is uh, Charlotte Rampling's daughter, right? Mm-hmm. Right, 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 right. Yeah, that's one of the most chilling scenes in the movie. You know, she goes against her mom and the church authority by calling Benedetta out and lying, actually, because she says she lies. And she says, oh, I saw Benedetta use a piece of broken pottery to cut open her forehead. But that's Which not true. Right. Yes. So she's taking like a brave stance against Benedetta, who she thinks is a charlatan. But she herself is also lying. Yeah. And so her mother like doesn't stand up for her. And uh, I mean, we've been going to spoilers all the time, but major spoiler alert. Uh, her daughter commits suicide. By jumping off the roof of the convent. Yeah, it's unbelievable. I mean, the scream she lets out when her mother like doesn't stand up for her is like heartrending, right? Yeah. Just, like, the death of, like, her belief in her mother and religion and just, like, everything. Her idealism, all of that is just shattered when her mom's like, no, you're lying. Yeah. Which is, I mean, to be fair, her mom did say, uh, if you do this, I'm not going to stand up for you. (laughs) (laughs) She did warn her of that. And she also is lying about Benedetta, right? Yeah. Technically, she's not seen that happen. And Benedetta is unwilling to admit throughout the movie, even to her closest confidants, that this is a lie. They play very ambiguously. So I, I was going to draw like a through line between Benedetta and like Catherine Trammell from Basic Instinct, right? Ooh. Because like this whole time, they play it very ambiguous whether like Sharon Stone's character in Basic Instinct is like this ice pick killer. And they always play with like the camera. They give you like little tidbits where like she has the opportunity to do these things and there's evidence of it, but they never show you her actually doing it, right? Because that's the same thing with Benedetta, right? With the with like the the stigmata. Cause she's shown like with the broken glass and all that, but she's never actually shown injuring herself or like inflicting the stigmata upon herself, right? So like mm-hmm. they give you the pieces of the evidence, but they don't tell you like overtly that she's doing this to herself and that she's a fraud. And she doesn't even admit it, right? Even to Bartolomea. Yeah, she never admits even it. Even to Bartolomea. Yeah, that's the same thing with, with uh, Catherine Trammell too, which I, I think that's that's great. It's a great little through line. I mean, I think the movie also takes it a step further though also, like it causes this ambiguity because I mean, she has 
one that the I mean it's funny we mentioned this the voice uh, that right. she uses, but then <laughs> also right. she's got right, the voice. Right, right. You use the voice. <laughs> yeah, use the voice. <laughs> But also, some of the things that she says actually comes true, right? Like, she says, right. like, the, the plague is coming, and it does, right? And, like, don't let people in, because they'll bring in the plague, and that's exactly what happens, you know? Yeah, like, well, they're like, if if I die, the plague will come. So, like, yeah. that's what she uses to, like, protect herself. So, yeah, like, the movie plays, you know, fast and hard with this idea of ambiguity, and there are moments where I completely believe that she's a fake, but then also there are moments where I believe, fuck, like, maybe she is seeing... <laughs> jesus you know like come to her in visions and and fucking cutting dudes down right like i i don't know what to believe sometimes in this so the movie. movie does make a point of showing you those visions in detail mm-hmm. so like you know these visions may not necessarily be divinely inspired but that also doesn't necessarily mean that benedetta is lying maybe she's experiencing some kind of yeah delusion <laughs> i don't want to get medical but yeah like some kind of delusion or some kind of vision that maybe isn't necessarily divinely inspired I mean, I think the framing of her society would be like, oh, is this a vision from God or is it a vision from the devil, right? But mm-hmm. I don't know. We could maybe open up space for like an alternative view of that. But yeah, because the Batalomia character kind of puts doubt in the audience because, you know, she's the one who finds the class at the end, right? Mm-hmm. In, her, in her garments. But then there are moments where, especially with the visions, like the visions are never really questioned. Right? Like, I think about, like, the first vision we get where she's singing with her with her sisters and all of a sudden she's just, like, in the middle of the choir, right? And, like, we never get an answer of, like, oh, is she playing that for show or is she actually seeing this vision, right? Like, that's never questioned and, like, the movie wants you to believe that she actually is seeing that vision. Or at least make up your own mind about it. Right. Yeah. But, but, but it also does, I mean, put its thumb on the scale, right? Because it has characters explicitly talk about how... Like, oh, wow, this is bullshit. We don't believe this. But we're going to use it cynically for our own purposes, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, the movie does explicitly say that. But then don't forget, like, the first scene of the movie, when she's attacked by those guys, it's like like the the punishment with, like, the bird shit, too. Like, that's, that's like, another (laughs) Mm -hmm. prophetic, like, power that she has um, that's never actually explained, right? Sure. I mean, one thing I wanted to bring up, it was a, quite a, a pleasant surprise for me, was the addition of the Lambert Wilson character. <laughs> the Merovingian. comes <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. He's great in this. Yeah. L- seriously, the last thing I think I've seen him in was the Matrix Revolutions. He's having a great year this year. Yeah. It was a pleasant surprise for me. And he's fucking gross in this. This uh, mm-hmm. the, the local nuncio. So he comes in. After Felicita, she flees the convent after being usurped by Benedetta. And she goes to, like, I don't know, I guess power above her to, like, come and investigate Benedetta's miracles to, like, I guess dethrone her. And and he comes in with all these men with their torture instruments. Um, yeah, he's oily. He's perverted. A gross character. He, he plays it very, very well, I think. There's also some Black Plague in this movie, so uh, stealth pandemic movie, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. One thing I did want to ask you guys, though, was uh, what did you guys think of the ending? More specifically, I think there's like a... <laughs> this movie kind of has like two endings, right? We have the the point where the, the people of the city kind of rebel, right? And like free Benedetta. Uh-huh. You know, she kind of escapes with Bartolomea. But then it kind of goes to black, but then it cuts 
into them, you know, having laid together and they're out in like, I guess, uh, some kind of farm. And then Benedetta chooses to go back the comment, right? And then go back mm-hmm. to her sisters. And then we get her being shunned and being kind of not taken, I guess, seriously after that point. I mean, what did you guys think of, like, just in general, what did you guys think of the ending? Yeah, I mean, I thought the ending was pretty wild with Charlotte Rampling giving uh, the Nuncio's character the kiss of peace. Although he already had the plague, so I'm not really sure what that added, but whatever. It was still really cool. Yeah. Uh, uh, she kills herself in the pyre. I wonder, like, and again, this is the ambiguity of the movie, like, is Benedetta just, like, power mad and, like, refuses to believe that the people won't accept her as a religious figure when she goes back to Pascio? Like, She's like unwilling to live outside of the strictures of the, of this society where she's grown used to be on top. Where Bartolomea maybe is willing to be like, "Hey, like, let's just break away from this. This is our shot to like, like, run away yeah. with me, basically, right?" And Benedetta's like, "No, like, I'd rather go back and take my shot at being top dog." And yeah, uh, obviously she fails. So it's. I don't know. Is, is she just deluded by her delusions of grandeur? She believes in her own prophetic power so much. Is it her ambition? She thinks she can bring the town back to her side. I don't know. I thought the thing with the nuncio was fucking hilarious at the end, where he asks Benedetta, like, oh, am I going to go to heaven or hell? And then Benedetta's like, oh, you're going to go to heaven. And then, like, the nuncio's like, ha ha ha, you're a fucking broad and I know it, because I'm a piece of shit. I know I'm going to hell. Or whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> you know? funny. He's like, you're. Yeah, lie, you're lying even now. Really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, the lady who stabs him goes really ham. I don't know where yeah. that came yeah, from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some random peasant lady in like a yellow hat runs out and just opens him up like a fish. Stab, 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 right? <laughs> yeah. It's pretty impressive. It's interesting. If we were to like have this movie be from the perspective of Bartolomea, you know, like this is like a love story, right? This is like, hey, we can escape. We can just be together, but like. And escape this whole system. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and be free. But like for Benedetta, you're absolutely correct. This is like a this is something of power for her, right? Of notoriety, of like wanting to be part of something. And like the relationship with Bartolomea is just like not as, I guess, important mm-hmm. in the grand scheme of things for her, which is kind of an interesting contrast at the end. Yeah, I think, like, you have to think of Bartolomea's circumstances, too, right? I mean, she's, like, the abused daughter of, like, a pretty fucked up family. Yeah. Who's, like, lower social mm-hmm. class, right? Like, she can't write. Uh, I'm not entirely sure she can read at the beginning. Whereas, like, Benedetta herself is, like, the like the privileged child of a rich family who, like, love and support her and, like, who actually pay for Bartolomea to enter the convent, right? They pay those fees. So they have very different social status and maybe like very different ideas of what of what like freedom means, right? Like for Benedetta, she's like, if I don't have the freedom to exert my will on the system, like or to rise like within the system, I don't want that kind of freedom. Like I'm not willing to live outside of these strictures in which, I, in which I've lived my whole life. Like since she's a child, she was in the in the nunnery, right, or in the convent. Whereas mm-hmm. Bartholomew comes from outside, and so she's more able to uh, like live outside of those bonds. And I love the message that Verhoeven's saying about, like, combining, like, the ecstasy of these visions with, like, the pleasure of, like, the carnal flesh or whatever, like, making those one and, like, almost the same. It's like Benedetta's, like, experiencing, like, these feelings when she's having these visions and when she's with Bartolomea and, like, 
I feel like that's really going to fucking piss off the Catholics or whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. When I went to the movie at New York Film Festival, there were, like, picketers outside the the theater. Real picketers or is this, like, Verhoeven marketing? Verhoeven marketing. I don't know. I feel like maybe he hired them because they're at, like, every single screening of this movie. Well, how many were there? Maybe a dozen. All right. That's kind of a lot. Like, even Trump (laughs) Trump could only hire, like, the one black guy. (laughs) (laughs) So, I feel like Verhoeven probably didn't hire a full dozen people, right? I don't know. They had signs that says, like, we vehemently protest the blasphemous lesbian movie Benedetta that insults the sanctity of Catholic nuns. (laughs) Yeah, see, that sounds like marketing. (laughs) (laughs) In theaters in December. Exactly, yeah. In theaters December 2021. Like, I don't know, it just sounds... The last thing I would say is that, I mean, like, I already kind of said that this is probably my least favorite of the Verhoeven movies I've seen, but I still really enjoyed this movie. Like I like I said, I think it's beautifully crafted, beautifully acted. Um, I think a lot of those elements we've talked about are great still. And I know it's a little bit hard to find right now in theaters because um, I guess you could just have to look for picketers. Uh, but <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I, I would still suggest this. Like, If you can find it in theaters, um, hopefully it's going to be expanding more and more soon. Um, definitely check it out. Some reviewers were like, this this is very uh, exploitative and like just in bad taste. And then other people were like, hell yeah, that's what I want to see, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I really fucking enjoyed this. I think this is, from sheer enjoyment, I think this is probably gonna go on my top 10 of the year i i just i just had so much fun with this uh i don't i don't know about you guys but so it didn't feel like it's length right like it's more than two hours no, not at and all. it flies i'll give it that i'd say there are a couple more fun movies than this this year though like i enjoyed licorice pizza more for example uh-huh. uh, but this is still probably top 10 i can't see this falling outside of that i don't know i, I i'd have to sit and really like make a list but yeah me too i would is, have to see this is really gonna fall this is that. up there i did enjoy this a lot it has a wooden virgin mary dildo <laughs> in it yes like what other movie has something like that right that's that's like the totem of this film <laughs> pretty bonkers we didn't really talk too much about like benedetta and uh bartolomeo's like chemistry together but they were mm-hmm. great together i thought yeah they, yeah they had they had fantastic chemistry yeah if you're worried the movie's not sexy enough don't worry about that part yeah. If you're worried that this movie isn't about lesbian nuns, you have nothing to worry about. <laughs> was, that, was that meme like sickos? Ha 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 whatever. <laughs> Don't worry, sickos. You'll enjoy this movie. <laughs> uh, did you guys see that uh, Halloween costume? It's like this budget Halloween costume that's uh, uh, Cyberman or Padre. <laughs> so you can like be Neo from the Matrix or like a fucking... Uh, Catholic priest. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, I, I posted it on Twitter. You can check it out. Uh, check like that this, one out uh, sure. Do you just have to it's remove like the, the band? Robe. The band. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's like you could do like a a double bill of the Matrix Resurrections and Benedetta, and wear one costume. All right. Well, is there anything else you guys wanted to bring up or no? We didn't really talk about where we know. Like, do you know Virginia Afira or uh, Daphne Patakia? I know Daphne Patakia from the Yorgos Lanthimos short, oh. um, Nimic, from, I feel like it was, that was last year, or maybe even two years ago. 2019. The lobster guy, yes. Yeah. Uh, Virginia Fira is very, 
famous. Um, although I'm not very familiar with her. She's more uh, famous in, uh, well, she's Belgian. But it also looks like she had a credit in L, right? So she's this is not the first time she's worked for yes, Verhoeven. Yes, yes. I wish Virginia Fira had like more awards clout here because I think she gives a great performance, but no one's really talking about her for, for any of the, the award season stuff, um, which is kind of a shame. She should at least be in the running. All right. Well, if there is nothing else, I think that will conclude this week's episode. Uh, Jeff, where can people find more of your work? You can find me on my blog at Strange Harbors, and you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Strange Harbors. What about you guys? Um, you can find me hiding from the Black Plague. What about you, Derek? <laughs> you can find me at the world's OKS Photos and Screen Agents Guild on Instagram. But if you like this podcast, the easiest way to support our podcast is to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or any of the other popular podcast apps. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please do us a favor and give us a great star rating. It really helps to get our podcasts out to more people. Yeah, if you guys have any questions, comments, suggestions on our episode on Benedetta, feel free to shoot us an email at jeff at strangeharbors.com. We like getting listener mail. We read it out on the pod sometimes, so feel free to do that. And we will see you guys next week. See you next week, everybody. We'll see you guys next week.